Welcome to the Manager Tools Podcast for Monday, July 24th, 2006. Hi, everyone. This is Michael Ozan, and on behalf of Mark Horseman and myself, welcome back to Manager Tools. Today's show is an interesting one. At least once in your career, and perhaps as many as five times, you're going to have to resign from a position. And this is another one of those tasks or responsibilities that no one talks about. No one knows how to do, and therefore, many do it poorly. Now, it's not hard to do well, and in this series of casts, we make it a simple step-by-step process. Now, if you're thinking that you already know how to do this, consider that we recommend you need six weeks to do it well. Now, as sometimes happens, when we cover something in detail, it takes more than a few minutes to cover it well. Today's show is, therefore, part one of three on this particular topic. So, with no further ado, let's get with it. Okay, so what were you saying just a minute ago about the about people quitting, resigning? Um, well, it's just it's just the the people get, get this like moral air about them yes. where they, something happens and they want to go and resign. They want to tell you know they want to tell their boss off or they want to tell right. HR or they want to do whatever they want to they want to vindicate themselves in some regard. So they go out and in flames and I, I can't I can't think of a single instance where that was ever useful to somebody's career prospects or anything and and people are just silly that way they just feel like they've got to they got to stand on some soapbox and make sure that they're they're exert their moral superiority yeah i, I yeah the, the sense of moral rectitude is, is is sort of there and yet i think if, if someone does feel their ethics or values are violated absolutely it's appropriate to resign and it's appropriate to be strategically and tactically smart about it um and there's nothing wrong with saying this is the moment where i decided to resign and then actually leaving in six weeks um, yeah, I think that's a. Well, we t- uh, that's just the difference between making an ethical judgment and then deciding how to implement it. Yeah, well, you know, I, you know, we've talked before. I've had, I had that, I, I've had that problem in the past when I first got out of the army and went to work um, for Mobile Oil. Um, you know, I had a, bo- I had a boss had to sit down with me after about a year and said, "Look, at, you're, uh, you're, you're the best team lead we've got, but until you solve this particular problem, that's all you're ever going to be." Right. <laughs> And, and but part of it is like I you know, um, I felt I was right. I still feel I was right. Um, but this this idea of getting angry and then venting to you know here I'm a I was an entry level programmer. I'm venting to VPs telling them how messed up they are. Yeah. And in my anger, I felt very very powerful. It's amazing. It's a you know, endorphins. Yeah. Running through your 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 body. <clears throat> and then um, but after that momentary uh, high is over, you're, you're left with the. The, the mess you created. <laughs> yes. So being, you know, being effective versus being right. is We've talked about that before. Yes, exactly. So it's, it's interesting. We're having this conversation about resigning, not as a, as a fact that we're going to talk about resigning today, but it just, that's just part of our conversation. So um, we don't buy, 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 taking this subject and putting it into a, a podcast we don't we certainly don't want to create an impression that we want people to resign this is not 
we're not trying to like, get uh, the entire nation or world up and everybody walk into their boss's office and resign. Right. But it's going to happen, and um, it's likely that it, it, it's, there's at least a high probability at some point in your career you'll walk in and resign. And so... <clears throat> So those who those who do it well look like professionals, and those who don't don't look like professionals. And, so and hurt themselves yeah, often, and how. hurt others. Unfortunately, I mean, there's a big component of taking care of other people and doing this right. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a that's a good point. I don't think sometimes people don't think about resigning that way. They don't think about right how they resign and how it's going to impact those people around, the, particularly their their subordinates. Yeah, and think um, of it this way, Mike. I mean, we talk very openly about about the company is not in charge of your career anymore. And so resignations as a function of getting out of the job are seen as a career move. And that's, well, I've got to manage my career, don't I, Mark? Didn't you say in a recent cast that, you know, the company's not managing my career? Yes, in fact, I did. That doesn't mean that the, that the effects um, of your resignation are not felt elsewhere besides your, your career, um, besides your personal life, as my brother Walt once sent me a note and said, side effects are still effects. Um, and the fact is there are side effects of resignations. And the side effect of a resignation done the way most people do it, with the classic two-week line, um, I'll give you my two weeks notice kind of thing, it, it, are significant. And in, an or, in organizations that are as lean and as tight as they are today, um, I, I, I simply submit that it is it does great disservice to the years or even months of service you give a company to, to resign in a way that's less than totally professional. And it's not hard to do. There's nothing we're going to talk about in this cast that's hard uh, or, or complex. Some of it is, is extra work, no question about it. Um, but if you're going to shy away from extra work, I really have serious doubts about why you'd ever want to be in management to begin with. Right, and, right. you know, as I, was, as I was thinking about this, Mike, it occurs to me that you and I are really classic examples of this. Um, we both probably would have said that we were joiners, that we were people whom our parents raised to think of us as having a career in, in one place. Um, but shoot, I, I've been in four different fields. I was in the Army, I was in sales at Procter, and, and then recruiter, and now I have my own company. And really, it's five when you count podcasting. And I can tell you, when I told my folks that I was leaving the Army after being a West Point graduate, I, I'm sure they rolled their eyes. And then when I then when I told them it was Procter and Gamble, they're like, "Oh, that makes it okay." And then I told them I was leaving Procter and Gamble, they're like, "Well, apparently, <laughs> it wasn't okay after all." Um, in your case, you were in the Army, and then you were at Mobile Oil, and then you were at MCI and at Bell Atlantic, and now the restaurants and manager tools. Yeah. And the key point there was, I was at MCI. I left and went to Bell Atlantic, and, now Verizon. Yes. And um, maybe we'll do, go into it at some future point in the. Nobody that I had an issue with is still there, but the fact is my experience there was not a positive one, and it wasn't more than five and a half months later I was back at MCI, because I frankly loved MCI before. This is well before WorldCom, by the way. But I loved MCI, and <clears throat> had I not resigned in a manner that was professional, what do you think the chances are of me ever going back. back to MCI? Um, and so um, I was... I, just based upon the way I did it, I was able to go back, um, uh, back to MCI, the place that I loved at the time, and you know, thank God I had that opportunity because I tell you what, I was absolutely miserable at Bell Atlantic. Yeah, I can say that. I, I can remember um, it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, and it, my, if my recollection is correct, that while you did your resignation reasonably well at MCI, there were some touchy moments going back, and there were some 
costs extracted from you as a function of your leaving. Oh yeah, I was the, <laughs> I, was the I was the poster child in terms of don't leave. Yeah, <laughs> you'll want to come back. Right. So so that's a good that's a future cast. There's no question about it. So the question really for for these actually what we now know to be a series of casts uh, to start out our this is our first cast in in year two and it's going to be a multiple part cast. How do you how do you resign professionally? How do you do it the manager tools way? And there are three major phases you're going to go through preparation delivery and then interim actions interim being from the moment you resign to the time where you leave the organization um so should we get started with phase one preparation let's do it okay um believe it or not what most people worry about mike in in, in resigning is the delivery what do i say how do i say it uh, if they're smart enough to ask that um uh, but preparation is the most important phase in making your resignation, your transition. And really, you got to be careful about thinking of it just as a resignation. It's not the end of your career, your life. It's a transition. It's the most important phase in making this whole process successful. The delivery phase is what everybody thinks about. And that's the most important in terms of avoiding failure. But as I think we've said a bunch of times on this cast, avoiding failure is not the same thing as seeking success. Um, and, and in order to be successful, you must not only deliver well, you have to do the preparation in advance of it well. Um, uh, if you do this preparation phase right, and we've got a series of steps, it must be 12 of them, um, the rest just feels easier. Um, it's in the prep that you lay your groundwork for success. Um, we'll, we'll talk in some other cast about how to resign under pressure, how to do that, um, because you'll often be yeah, provided that opportunity, yeah. and that's a totally separate situation. Um, um, we'll do that separately. And if you, I don't care if, if, if you're listening now and you think, well, I would never do that because I'm the best manager on the planet or, or near to be the best manager on the planet. God bless you. That's great. But you need to know how to do that too, because you may work someday for the worst boss on the planet. <laughs> and if you're the best and he or she is the worst, you may end up getting handed your hat. Um, so in what we're talking about here is when you have time to prepare, what do you need to do in terms of preparation? Let's walk through, let's give a high level overview, Mike, of the first phase. Um, and then we'll, we'll go through in more detail. First of all, you need six weeks. You heard me folks, six weeks. Um, you need six weeks of cash. Um, you need to make sure you get the other job first. Um, and we'll touch on a little bit of uh, recruiting details here in just a little bit. Um, assume you have to assume as you start the process that you will lose access to everything electronic and for that matter all files immediately the moment you speak to your boss many people miss that step um yeah. you can you can reasonably be a lot expect to be allowed to copy some things um we're going to ask that you prepare we're going to recommend you prepare a key uh, a transition file the first thing in it is a key project report you're going to prepare for performance files on your team and write interim reviews on your team. It may be painful, but it is the right thing to do. Um, uh, you're going to prepare instructions for your absence. Um, you're going to prepare a one-page interim successor document. By now, Mike, I know we're losing people, but this is still the right yeah, way I know to they're going like, oh, my God, I'm never going to resign. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, and if you don't resign, the beauty of that is you never lose the goodwill that you're building up in your company, assuming it is goodwill. Um, 
You're going to want to make lunch appointments with friends and colleagues you want to stay in touch with without telling them why you're doing it. Um, and lastly, the last step in preparation is you will tell no one. I say again, no one. Okay, so that's the People that's the high level. Um, I think there actually are 12 of those steps. Um, and let's go through each one of them in more detail. Good. Okay, six weeks. I, I think everybody's like rebelling already why six weeks yeah well first of all you know what they say i mean if i asked a hundred people mike how many of those hundred do you think if you said how much time do you need to give notice to your boss on something how many of them would say two weeks oh the vast majority yeah 80 percent. yeah of them. i would say 90 95 and maybe up to 98 after the, the hugh grant sandra bullock no movie called two weeks notice i mean it's 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 a it's a pop culture phrase two weeks notice right you know what right that's for everybody that's for that's for hourly employees it's for union employees it is not for professional managers you are the leadership part of the leadership and management team of a of an organization whether your organization is three people or 500 or 10,000 or a hundred thousand um, you're a part of the organization's leadership and when you leave there is an impact otherwise they're paying you too much um and if you don't think there's an impact when you leave then then you probably should resign yeah because you're, you're not doing yeah, a whole you're not lot. doing a lack of a lot so when we say six weeks what we mean is you need to be generous to the organization by allowing for four weeks of transition once you talk to your boss this is just what unselfish professionals do yeah um it, it, for those of you who are wondering, you absolutely can get that much time to wait once you accept an offer. You can say, I'm sorry, but I have, um, you know, I, I need six weeks before I can start. Um, because when you explain to them that you need to professionally extricate yourself from your present situation and, and tell them several of these things on this list, they'll raise their eyebrows and go, wow, this, this guy, this young lady, this person really knows what they're doing. So you need four weeks once your boss knows, or you need to provide as much as four weeks. And then you need two weeks to get ready to actually tell your boss because there's two weeks worth of preparation. And it's not trivial preparation. It's not something you can do in 15 minutes every day um, because we're assuming that you're not doing this as a bluff, which is, by the way, a very bad idea. Um, so you're going to need two weeks to do this and then four weeks once you give notice because your notice gives plenty of time for you to make a good transition period, which we'll talk about how to prepare for. Um, yeah. And, and don't forget about, you know, it's six weeks. Then then in addition, you know, travel and move. To right. Exactly. I'm sorry. Yes. And, if you're moving from New York to Los Angeles or from um, Caracas to New York or from um marinello to stuttgart or stuttgart to miami um you need to pay, you need to take into consideration family considerations in that and if it's going to take you six weeks to move then you need to tell the the company that you're that coming to that you need 12 weeks um and that may sound like a lot and if uh, if that's the case then you need to be very careful about how you plan this okay so six weeks okay um from the moment from the moment you know you're going to leave. Um, what that means is, <laughs> relatedly, you need six weeks of cash. Um, the day you talk to your boss, you may get asked to leave right then, immediately. And yet, depending upon who your boss is, how effective the organization is, what kind of cash situation there is. This applies to small firms too, because it depends on their cash situation. Um, many firms do not have payroll money in a payroll account on the 17th of the month period 
Uh, in fact, I would argue that most firms do not. Um, uh, it may take you a month to get your check, and they're going to think, well, gee, if he's resigning, then uh, then he knows where he's going, and maybe he's already getting paid or whatever, and so, yeah, we should be giving his paycheck at the end of the month, but because we haven't figured out how much uh, additional leave he's accrued, and and we got to pay him for his vacation days, and there's a sick day policy, he can reimburse, we can reimburse him for that, so they hold your check for another month, and suddenly you resign on the 17th, and you're not getting paid until the 30th of the next month. That's six weeks. Um and, and, you know, heaven forbid, but the, your, your boss, a uh, nice person though she is, may, in a fit of retribution, delay things um, intentionally uh, to, to extract a pound of flesh. Uh, we, don't, we don't like that, but we've seen it happen, and we're careful about it. Right, and the fact is, the fact that you're being professional and giving, you know, four weeks' notice, for example, doesn't mean they don't walk you out that door and terminate, terminate you immediately with, with no... Notice whatsoever. I'm so glad you said that, Mike, because I have to tell you the number of people that I've talked to, particularly young people, I've talked to a number of them under the age of, let's say, 28. No offense, those of you under age 28, I I love you. And I've actually had people say, well, when I give two weeks notice, then I have two more weeks, right? No. (laughs) What you're saying is that's the maximum amount of time you will work. Um, They can say, okay, you're done. Thanks. Um, because there's a risk now you if you're thinking about going somewhere else clearly your your loyalties may or in fact do lie elsewhere or at least in a joint state of some some sort and so they don't like that when you're only employed by them you're only employed by them and that's your only loyalty um, professionally and so therefore they can trust you when you have other loyalties required by the nature of you accepting an offer somewhere else that's the assumption they've made um, they may not be able to trust you and so the door slams in your face or right behind you as you walk out of your boss's office. Um, right. So you know, if you say you need six weeks, two weeks to prepare, then you want to give them four weeks notice. They send you out, they escort you to the door immediately. Then that um, suggests that it's pretty important that before you resign, you actually have a job. Yeah. Oh, and just w- mention one more thing about cash, Mike, is that during times of job transitions, even if you're going to the best job in the world, it's enormously stressful on your family. Um, um, and and you don't want to add to that stress by creating cash flow issues, which of course, you know, most families are a cash business, if you will, as opposed to an accrual sort of business. Um, and um, you're actually going to be burning through more cash during the transition period than you normally would, uh, particularly if there's a move involved. Um, so you, if nothing else, the six weeks of cash has to do with the fact that you could affect how well you handle your transition if your state of affairs at home is completely riled or roiled by the fact that you don't have the cash to get through this short period of time. Even if you're getting a $20,000 raise, that company's not going to give you a big signing bonus before you come to work. Um, or they'll only do that in rare cases. Let's put it that way. Yeah, a good point. Okay, but your point was about getting another job first, and you know, one one hopes this is intuitively obvious. Um, and, and my point about having another job um, is, it's really not about ethics. We were talking about this at the start of the show. Um, it, it, this is really about cash and about protecting yourself. Um, if you feel compelled ethically to resign, fine, fine, do it. Um, wait two weeks before you resign to do your preparation and then give four weeks notice. 
Uh, you don't have to tell them you're resigning for ethical reasons, although if you choose to do that, if you want to get on your your moral soapbox, that's fine, and, and uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with that unless the value of being on the moral soapbox falls on deaf ears and there is a negative cost to there's a you know there's a cost to you there's a negative implication for um, yeah we're not we're not animals i mean this is you know you can you can space uh two weeks between the stimulus of whatever happened that's causing you to resign and the response which is to resign well said um, separation of you know, stimulus dog yeah here. yeah they poked you with an ethical umbrella and you're going to choose how you're going to feel about it yeah, you don't, if you don't know what that umbrella means, and you got right. another podcast right. to listen to. <laughs> and there are plenty of stories of people who said, I knew then what I was going to do. Uh, I knew then I was going to resign. And they're smart enough to say, and then I started thinking about how do I want to do that? Because the moment of decision, as you say, the, the, um, the stimulus can be separated from the response or the activity. Um, if you feel compelled at that moment to create a paper trail for whatever reason, because things are awful, um, Send yourself or your spouse an email from a home account with a memorandum for record, MFR, which says, um, on this date, because of this situation, I decided to resign. Don't send it from right. work. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, look at last time I resigned, I waited two months from the time I made the decision I was going to resign to the to the point where I actually resigned. Two months. See, that's mad. No, no. Now, see, that's the, that's strategic thinking. Okay, what's the timing? How do I do this? I, I, I have many stories, maybe not two months, where somebody said, okay, look, I know I'm going to resign. I know that my work is going to suffer because of that decision, because of something going on with my wife or with my husband or with something at another location or another offer. And... I simply refuse to leave my boss, the EVP or whatever, in the lurch, or regardless of whether I play a big role right now, in, in the next three months, anything I do to, to upset the apple cart will have significant impact on strategy or marketing or whatever else across the organization, and so I'm going to wait. And quite frankly, if things go well, I want to be here when something good happens. Um, there's something to be said for being an employee when good things happen. So. Um, but look, resigning without another job is just dumb. I, I, I've seen some people do it to kind of show off. Uh, I still think it's dumb. Um, resigning when you can choose not to, if it's going to make things harder for you, I think is just dumb. So get to the job first. In fact, this goes to a point that we talk about in our set of uh, interviewing casts, Mike, um, which is never resign a job or turn an offer down until you accept the other one. I've had people say to me, well, Mark, this one's going to come through, so I'm going to go ahead and resign because it's convenient for the company, whatever. No, 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 no. You must accept the other offer. They must accept your acceptance. You must have all that stuff worked out, and then you resign. Now, admittedly, that's going to extend the amount of time this takes. I'm not going to kid you there. And the hiring company will be flexible on that. And if they're not flexible, if they say you got to leave in a week or two, you have to balance, okay, how, how willing am I to throw my friends and my organization and the place where I've worked professionally and ethically for the last blank period of time uh, overboard just for this other offer? Um, yeah, and what does it say about your prospective new employer? Yes, exactly. <laughs> or for that matter, how likely you are to, to for for them, if something happens, how likely it is for you to stay or for them to feel like you should stay. Yeah. They're willing to throw you overboard. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, next. Um, you have to assume, and, and this one surprises me, um, with as many TV and shows and movies where, where firing is an issue and the emotional shame of it comes to the forefront as part of the emotional energy of the show. Um, 
you have to assume you're going to lose access to everything immediately. It, it, it can shock people. Um, I'll, I'll go even further, to Marcus, which, you know, just, you know, give your employer the opportunity to do something different, but assume, you know, you're going to resign. They're going to, you know, two guards are going to show up and they're going to escort you out the door immediately. So, yeah, um, that's, that's a good assumption. Uh, in most cases, it won't, it won't be true, but it may. Right. What, what this does is if you assume this now, it, it encourages you to do the right preparation so that when you actually do do it, it won't be a shocker. If you see those guards, it'll be like, well, okay, I've done what I needed to do and fine. And at that point, the company loses all um, rights, if you will. If they're going to treat you that way, they lose all rights to any behavior you would do after the fact. Um, I, I would still argue that the right thing to do is to take care of your team. But if the organization won't let you... Um, then, then you're not under any obligation to fulfill something that they won't let right. you fulfill. fulfill. Yeah, let's so, be clear why that yeah. is too. I mean, it's, it's it's unfortunate, but you know, it's not these these are not evil people. You're uh, well, in most cases, <laughs> I have met some evil right. ones, but um, um, remember, I I came out of Worldcom, so uh, <laughs> so um, the, the the fact of though, in the vast majority of cases, you know, people. That's why we're doing this resignation podcast. People do it so poorly. And they, they, some people do it so poorly and act so unethically in terms of what they do when they resign and how they go about it that, you know, that's what happens. Procedures are yes. put in place to protect the organization. And so, you know, a lot of time employers act as if you're going to do the worst thing possible, which is probably yep. not true. And if the manager doesn't know how to lay somebody off or know, know how to accept a resignation, which is an upcoming cast, um, at some point in the future, don't, don't read upcoming as it be in the next couple of weeks, but, but um, if you don't know how to accept someone's resignation, how to handle that well, um, then you're going to respond as aggressively simply because you know that this person, you, you no longer need to, this person who's resigning is no longer someone you need to worry about your relationship with hypothetically. You start shutting down and saying, okay, who do I need to worry about? Well, what I need to worry about is my boss in HR. So how can I be sure that I do the right thing by them? Well, I probably overreact so that I can be sure that I'm not caught, you know, losing state secrets or those kind of things. So managers not knowing what to do overreact and you're caught in the crossfire if you're the one resigning. It's not personal. It's just managers who don't know how to handle a standard managerial behavior, managerial duty, which is accepting someone's resignation. Yeah. Um, gosh, we have a lot of casts to do, don't we? We do. Like? <laughs> we do. Don't remind um, me. Now, um, uh, something else that I think is really helpful, if you start thinking this way, if you think this way for two weeks as you go back and forth to the office, getting ready to, to proffer your resignation, you will see how much stuff at your office you take for granted that you touch all the time, that because we touch it, we think it's ours. In fact, it's not yours. And you need to ask yourself, how you know how, how can I hold on to this provided it's reasonably ethical that I should be allowed to have some part of it. Um, a lot of the stuff that you think of as yours at your desk is in fact not yours. In fact, other than your family photos, anything you brought in, nothing is yours. You're entitled in some cases, some copies. We'll talk about that, but, but, um, uh, I think it's important you you go into the mindset of I'm going to lose access immediately. Happened to Michael Douglas in Disclosure. Here's a, a, an executive with full sysop privileges or sysadmin privileges and whammo. Something comes up at work and suddenly he has no rights to do anything on the email system. And because that's the that's the the, the lingua franca of the organization, he's essentially you know persona non grata almost immediately. So 
You have to assume it, otherwise you could get caught unawares. And you got to be careful. Look, you got to be careful about work emails. Um, email has morphed into something that's almost like a conversation. We put things in emails that that we used to only talk about verbally outside of the office because somehow we think it's private. It's absolutely not. And your emails can get checked and do get checked. So start being careful the moment you realize you're going to resign. Well, we'll stop there and continue next week. In the meantime, if you have any questions or suggestions, please stop by the discussion forums at www.manager-tools.com forums. Or you can always send your comments to show at manager-tools.com. Thanks, folks. We'll talk again soon. So long.